I don't know if you, if you sense it or not, and I know some of you may be here for the first time, so you, you may not know any of this, but this is an incredibly exciting time for Journey. Uh, and, and I know it's been summer, and so your mind's been on going to the beach and uh, that's hanging out of the pool and all the summer things, and now school's starting back, so you've been buying school supplies and kind of gotten focused on that. So maybe it's slipping under your radar, but it, it's, it's true to say that we're about to make the biggest move, the biggest transition that we've made in the history of Journey, which admittedly is not very long. It's only about two and a half years, not even that yet. Uh, but what's about to happen is going to be the biggest step we've ever taken. And if, you, if you've been here for the whole time, you know it's taken forever. It seems like, not really, but it seems like it's just taken forever and ever for us to... to Draw and redraw and redesign and rework and re-everything to to get to this moment where God's going to to help us make this wonderful transition uh, to a new place. It, it It was not quite a year ago that we got the news that we we needed to move on, skedaddle. You don't have to go home, but you gotta go somewhere. You know, we we kind of got that news that it's need you to kind of start preparing for that, and and that was the moment we really started desperately praying, God, show us what to do. Where are we supposed to go? Where's the building in Walton County? Because we can't find any buildings. What's supposed to happen? And then God began to open this door, and we started praying and taking steps in that direction and making decisions as a church as to how to make all of that work and. And make all of that happen. And it, we had, I guess, the fortitude to keep stepping forward uh, when, when things slowed down or when things looked like it might not happen. We just kind of kept praying and kept taking a step forward and kept moving forward until now we are like right on the verge of this actually happening. As a matter of fact, do you want to know how close to the verge, whatever the verge is, do you know how close we are? Like details, like, I mean, because I could tell you, you don't seem very excited. So, I mean, I could do it next week. I, I'd be fine to do it next week. Um, okay, before I tell you that, let me make the disclaimer that nothing is ever done until it's done, right? We all realize that, right? Nothing ever happens until it happens. There's catastrophe could happen, like something could come up, these, these dates just, just, I don't want you to be mad if it's not exactly this, but right now, today, this is what we think is going to happen. We're like 95% sure this is the way it's going to happen. Let me show you some pictures first, because I know not all of you are on social media, and so not all of you are connected. Um, women's bathroom, all right? We've, uh, we've, we've taken to calling it the lady spa. We have a nice sea salt color on the walls. So uh, that's awesome. Last time we were out there, there were no walls, right? It was like you could walk through the walls. There were metal studs, and so you just kind of walked right through them. This is the lady spa, by the way. Okay, uh, next one. This is in the worship auditorium. Pretty much the final painting is done in the worship auditorium, and it looks fantastic. Uh, ceiling still got to go in. Some lights have still got to go in, that sort of thing. But we're getting really, really close. Next one. This is the, the back entrance. If you've been over there, you know there's a ramp that you walk in. And so we've redone. There was a big roll-up door there. And we've redone the back entrance. So it's a nice, beautiful little entrance there. Just 
uh, might want to start working on cardio uh, as we get closer because there's a little ramp you got to walk up. So, uh, you know, do some elliptical between now and, and when we get moved in. But that's how the, the back is looking. This is the main hallway. It's kind of scrunched up in the picture. Uh, but the women's restrooms on the left, the worship auditoriums on the right. You see the ceiling grid and the lights all starting to go in. This picture is actually from yesterday, this next one. This is from yesterday when the flooring is starting to go down. I didn't get back over there later in the day to actually take a picture of the flooring, but flooring went down in the worship room and in the restrooms. It's going to be in the hallway, and the carpet's going to start going in this week. Just all kinds of changes are happening really, really fast, which is tremendously exciting. So because all of this is happening so fast, we, we, we kind of know what the next couple of weeks look like. Um, Joe Chadwick's been over there all week painting. Paul and Josh and Jared Smith been over there. Gary Argebright's been busting up floors. And others of you have come out. Thank you so much. We're going to have like a long list of people to thank at the end of this. Our building team's been rock stars through this whole thing. So grateful for them. So the dates that you want to know. Um, the plan is that our last service here is August 20th which means we will worship <laughs> here three more times after today. That's it. Isn't that crazy? We, this is the only place we've ever worshipped. We had one day over at Walnut Grove High School, but, I mean, this is it. We've, this has been our home for almost two and a half years. Crazy thinking we're going to up and move somewhere else. So here's, here's the plan for August 20th. We're trying to strategize how to do one service, and we're not all going to fit in here. There's no way to do that. Maybe outside. I, I don't know what we're going to do. We're trying to strategize how to do one service. So at the end of that service, we could say to everybody, okay, stand up, turn around, pick up your chair, put it in your car, and drive it to the new building, or else you're not going to have a seat next Sunday. All right? So we're, we're going to have a big party on the last Sunday and then we're going to move everything. So bring your trucks and your trailers on August 20th. All these chairs have to go and the kids' stuff have to go and the, all the tables out front have to go and the, all of this stuff has to go. So August 20th is going to be celebration, moving day. We're going to try to have lunch over at the new building, hang out, get everything moved into the right place. So huge day. Put it on your calendar, August 20th. August 26th, which is the next Saturday, is going to be our volunteer training in the new building. So if you serve in any capacity, if you're a volunteer in any capacity, and hopefully that'll be more of you by August 26th, but if you're signed up, if you volunteer, if you're on a schedule, we're going to all go over there on Saturday. You're going to find your spots and how you're going to do things. We're going to have some training and, and talk about how that's going to work. So get everybody comfortable so we're ready for the big day, August 27th is going to be our first worship service at the new building, which is going to be a huge day. I hope you can be here August 27th. About two months later, October 22nd, is going to be our official grand opening. And the reason for that is we want to work out the kinks and make sure we, fi we figure parking out and we figure children's check-in out and we figure traffic flow out. We're going to get all of those worked out before we do a big promotion 
Uh, we've also got a month of school fall breaks from the end of September to like the middle of October. And so we're trying to avoid fall breaks when we're doing our, our big kickoff. So October 22nd, get that on your calendar as well. That's where we are. So we're like so close to all of this actually happening. So I, I wanted to take a, a few Sundays and just talk about how we're going to get ready for that. You know, because it's a big deal. This is a huge deal. How, how do we get ready? And there's a practical side of getting ready. Um, practical side, like everything's got to go, right? Everything's got to get from here to over there. So we got to figure that. we got to get ready for that. Then there's maybe what we could call the emotional side or, or the mental side. And, and that's what I mean. here's what I mean by that. Anytime you move somewhere, it's going to be different. It's just going to be different. If, if you've ever moved houses, most of us have moved houses, you know it's just different. And some of the difference is great. Like some of the difference is fantastic. This is the way I've always wanted it. Oh, we've never been able to do that, and now we can do that. And that's the way it's going to be moving to this new building. Some of it's going to be great and sparkly and new and fantastic. And, oh, that's wonderful. But different also means... Uh, some things you're going to get over there and you may say, well, I didn't know that was going to be different. Yeah. Uh, okay, now why is that different? All right. That's just human nature. There's going to be difference. Uh, we're not going to be in a funeral home anymore. All right. Our children's ministry is not going to be in viewing rooms. Right? We're not going to have casket lights anymore. For some of you, the drive's going to be shorter. For some of you, the drive's going to be longer. The parking's going to be different. It's just going to be different, and some of that difference is going to be great, and some of that difference is going to be, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that would be different. It will be. There'll be some things. You know, it's, we couldn't build everything exactly the way we wanted. We've, this is a building that was already there. We're, we're making the best of it. So it, here's what I'm saying. Don't make me preach the Hebrew children wandering in the wilderness wanting to go back to Egypt sermon. Don't make me preach. I've got that sermon, and I can preach it. I will turn this car around. I mean, I can do that. Leeks and onions. Yeah, I know. Grumbling, grumbling. Don't make me preach that sermon. There are going to be things that are great, and there, there, there are going to be some things that we got to be creative with it. I mean, that's one of the great things about Journey is we've had to be creative, right? Coming into this building, we had to be creative. We had to be creative with chairs. We had to be creative with sound system. If you were here in the early days, we, we had a table and a projector and a pull-up screen back here, right? Anybody remember the early days? We, we, just, we just made it work. We just kind of, we got creative and and can do, and we, we came in, we had funeral home viewing rooms for our kids, and so we started sprucing those up and making the best of it. I mean, from the very beginning, part of our personality has been, hey, let's figure it out, and let's figure it out. It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great, and we're going to get to the new building. And then there's a tendency to think, oh, we're going to a new building. It's going to be perfect. Like, everything's going to be perfect. We didn't, we didn't build a perfect building. We didn't have the money to build a perfect building, right? There's no way to get 400 people to agree on what a perfect building is anyway. Right? It's not a perfect building. And, and you're going to go in there probably early on and go, how, how come they didn't do it this way? 
And you may ask me, hey, how come you didn't do it this way? And I may be able to say, well, we didn't do it this way because of this. And you may go, oh, yeah. And you may say, why didn't you do it this way? And I may go, I don't know. That would have been a great idea. I'm, dumb. I'm not as smart as you are. I'm sorry. I, deal with it. Right? Okay? I love you. Make the best of it. And that's who we are. We just make the best of it. But we've got this wonderful, incredible opportunity. It's not going to be perfect. But I think it's going to be the perfect place for God to do his next work at Journey. That's what's going to be perfect. It's going to be like a perfect home for us to settle into, to invite our friends to. Hey, come over to our home. It's going to be the, the perfect home for us to do ministry and to see God do the next thing. Because ultimately, it's not about the building anyway. It's about people. It's not about the color of the walls or, or, or the coffee bar or the kids' rooms. All of that's important. I'm not saying it's not important. We should think about those, do them the best we can. But ultimately, this is not about rooms and walls and buildings. This is about people coming to know Jesus. I don't think it was a conscious effort on my part. But ever since we found the building, that's what I, I've called it the building, right? the new building. And maybe it's because it's a warehouse. Right? We didn't build it to be our church. We found a warehouse, and we're making the best of it. And so I've always referred to it as the new building. And I've always referred to this place as our current building. we got our current building. we got a new building. And maybe it's because we share space, or maybe because of a funeral home, or I, I don't know why. Again, I don't think I really thought anything about it other than was well, the building. And that's going to be the new building. The one thing that this isn't, and that will never be, is the church. They're just buildings. You're the church. Like, we're the church, and the church in three weeks is going to up and go over to a new building. But the new building's never going to be the church. You're going to keep being the church. And we have this opportunity to see more people come and more people check out who we are. And maybe those people could become part of the church like we're a part of the church. Maybe they could become part of the kingdom of God like we're a part of the kingdom of God. Maybe they could be become a part of the family of God. When we first found the building, I, I thought, we need like a cool name. Because I know I didn't want to call it the church. Like, what's the name? It's on Royal Park Drive or something. So I thought, hey, maybe we call it Royal Park or Royal Place. And then I thought, that sounds too televangelist, right? <laughs> like, we'd have to paint it purple and gold if we called it the... <laughs> Welcome to the Royal Place. The Royal Building. No. <laughs> then I thought about the warehouse, because it's a warehouse. That sounds like a 90s youth group room. We don't want to call it the warehouse. So I just called it the building. And it's going to keep being a building. We're going to keep being the church. God's mission in the world has never been buildings. God's, God's strategy for reaching the lost has never been buildings. When Jesus was asked what the great commandment is, he didn't say, build a building, and the second one is like it, have a nice coffee bar. That's not what he said. Nothing wrong with a nice building. I love coffee. I love coffee bars. Our coffee bar is going to be phenomenal. That's not what he said. 
They say, you know what the most important thing is? That you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus kept bringing things back to people. Buildings are great. Buildings attract people sometimes. The curiosity, the newness, the, oh, I want to see what's going on. Buildings will attract people, but buildings won't reach people. People reach people. People build relationships with people. People share Jesus with people. And no matter where we meet, it will continue to be about people. So I want to talk today about a word that appears often in the New Testament. And uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but it's in there. It's the word hospitality. Great word. We use hospitality, English language. We, we use hospitality often. Maybe we don't think about it in relation to the Bible quite often. Paul noticed hospitable people, maybe because Paul traveled around a lot as he was planting churches, and so he was always leaning on people to let him stay at their house, to, to feed him. And so he knew, like, these are hospitable people. I needed them, and they helped me out. Here's a couple examples. Acts 28, verse 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed, to his home, and he welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. Paul said, this guy was great. He was so hospitable to us. Romans 16, 23. Paul again. Gaius whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Another guy. Like, everybody knows. This guy is incredibly hospitable. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then this line, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's a command. Peter says, I'm commanding you to be hospitable and don't complain about it. Like, don't complain that you have to be nice to people. Like, don't do something nice for some people and then grumble that it cost you something or you had to spend your time doing it. That's not being hospitable. Show hospitality without complaining. Peter commands it, Paul commands it, the writer of Hebrews commands it, John commands that we are people who show hospitality. Paul even says several times in the Bible that leaders, if, if they're a leader in the church, they must be hospitable. In other words, don't let grumpy people be leaders in your church. I think Paul was on to something, right? Don't let miserable, bitter, grumpy people get in leadership in your church. Like find people who know how to show hospitality and let them lead your church. Hospitality in the New Testament is a combination of two words in the original language. One word is xeno or xenos. Um, popular word today, it gets used a lot, is the word xenophobia. It's a, it, it's a buzzword to call somebody that you don't like, especially somebody who's a different political persuasion than you, say that they're xenophobic and you're supposed to win the argument. Okay, we'll talk about all that later. Xenophobia means, phobia means fear. Xeno means stranger or foreigner or the other. It's like somebody that's not like you, like somebody that you're not already friends with. You have a fear of people who are not like you. Xeno means people that aren't like you, other people, strangers, foreigner, the other. 
The other part of hospitality is the word phileo, which is one of the Bible's words for love. And it means specifically the love that friends have for one another. It's not romantic love. It's, uh, it's friendship love, like Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It's that sort of idea. The way you love and care for and look out for your friends. So hospitality is loving, in a friendship way, loving people who are other than you, who aren't like in your group. Loving people that you don't know yet. Loving people who are different from you. Loving people who are strangers or foreigners to you. Having the ability to show love and compassion to people outside your circle. That's what the New Testament means by hospitality. There's a a lot of talk today, a lot of posting about my people. Maybe you see posts about this. These are my people. I'm not saying it's wrong to have your people. It's just the Bible consistently says, you know what? You're supposed to love people other than your people. You're supposed to love people other than the ones in your group. You're supposed to love people other than the ones that look and and talk and vote exactly the way you do. You're You're supposed to have a bigger circle than that. That's what hospitality is. Loving outside of your circle, showing hospitality. Now, I don't know how things work at your house, but in my house, when we have guests, we go to like a whole other level of DEFCON when it comes to the way our house looks, right? My my wife, um, she runs a pretty tight ship. She's not in the service, so I can talk about her. She runs a pretty tight ship. So our house is always fairly straight and clean, but when we have guests coming over, we vacuum carpets that we just vacuumed two days ago because the guest is coming, right? Like we dust places that we just dusted, and a lot of places that we've never dusted. If you're coming over, we're going there. Like We're going all out. We want it to look like nobody lives in this house when you come visit us. Like we don't want there to be any evidence that human beings occupy this house if we're having guests, we, we just go to this extra level when there's guests coming over to us. That's what hospitality is. It's saying, you know what? Somebody's coming over. Maybe we're close. Maybe we're not close. But we want them to have a certain experience when they come here. We want them to feel like we were prepared for them, like we wanted them to come. We got ready for them. And we're hoping that they're going to come back. We're not trying to impress them. We're not trying to put on airs. We're just trying to say, you know what, they're guests. Let's, let's go the extra mile because they're company. They're, they're guests in our home. You can think of hospitality this way. It's considering what the other person will experience even if it costs me something. Even if it costs me something. You know, I'm going to spend a little extra time. I'm going to spend a little extra money. I'm going to think about them. I'm going to be concerned for them because they're guests. And I want to be hospitable. Now, we're going to make this move, and people are going to come. Right? New buildings, new churches, that, that, all that sort of thing. It creates this, this, this curiosity among people. And so people are going to come. Some, some that came to Journey two years ago, and they haven't come back, and they want to come see what we're doing. Some people who have never, ever been to Journey, ever. Some people who haven't been to church in a really long time. And maybe there's some little part of their heart that thinks, maybe this one will be different. Like maybe, maybe I could come to this church. Maybe I could be a part of this church. There are going to be people who come who have never been in church. Like they don't know the Bible stories. They don't know who David or Saul or Paul or, or any of those people are. <clears throat> They're just coming 
to see what's going on, and you and I are going to have the opportunity to build relationships with them. Whether or not they come back depends a lot on us, not on the building. People aren't going to go in and say, wow, this is a great building. And then come back the next week and go, wow, this is a great building. And then come back the next week and go, wow. And two years later, go, wow, this is a great building. Like buildings have a, a short shelf life when it comes to engaging people because that was never God's, God's plan. God's plan for engaging people was us. God's plan for showing hospitality was us. The Bible never commands that your building be hospitable. The Bible commands us to be hospitable. Now, sometimes hospitality begins with a simple phrase. It begins with the phrase, hi, my name is. It's complicated. I'll translate if I need to, right? Hi, my name is. Some of you have your, your name tags on, right? Hello, my name is. We were afraid you would forget it, so we wanted to stick it on you. Hello, it's a complicated phrase. Hi, my name is. Sometimes hospitality begins just with that simple phrase. The other, the person outside my circle, that, that I would walk across the room and that I would simply say, hey, my name is. Are you new here? This is your first time. You need any help? You know where kids check in is? Hi, my name is. I mean, this is what I hope. I hope that when we move to this new space, that, that we are a church full of people who are okay saying, hi, my name is. Hey, I'm Ken. What's your name? Glad you're here. I haven't met you before. Have you, have you been to this church before? Can I help you? Can I show you something? It's a really simple phrase. You could practice it. Like you get in front of the mirror, you could practice this phrase. Hi, my name is. Driving down the road, you could practice. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. Hi. Okay? Just, pra- just, hi, my name is. It's like a real simple phrase. But it's amazing how many conversations it opens up. Hi, my name's Ken. I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago, and I know there's tons of these articles out there, right? If you're on social media, like you get articles all the time. And maybe there's better ones. I'm not saying this list is exhaustive. But this one caught my eye, and I saved it because I knew we were going to talk about this. I just want to walk through this article. If you're using version, I've, I've put a copy of the article in there, a link to the article. The article was titled, Seven Things That Will Keep Me From Coming Back to Your Church. Seven Things That Will Keep Me From Coming Back to Your Church. This is from a guest perspective who visits your church and then decides whether or not they're going to give you another chance, whether or not they're going to come back a second time. Again, you may have different ones. I think this is a pretty good list, though. So let me just walk through this. Here was the first one. Refuse to see me. Like if a guest feels like they just walk in and they experience worship and nobody acknowledges them. Like nobody says, hi, my name is. Nobody says, hey, do you know where kids check-in is? Can I have, hey, the coffee bar is right over there. Hey, we worship right in here. If I'm anonymous, and, and granted, some guests kind of like being anonymous, the problem is they don't know where to go. Have you ever walked into a building for the first time and you didn't know where to go and how awkward it is to navigate your way around? 
That's the way people feel when they go to a church for the first time. They don't know where the restrooms are, or the kid check-in is, or the worship auditorium is, or what they're supposed to do or say. And one of the ways we can keep them from ever coming back is just to not acknowledge, just not see them. And part of the problem with seeing people is we tend to see what we're looking for and what we're used to seeing. And, and most of us, after we've been here a little while, we're used to seeing people we know. So as soon as we walk in or as we're standing in the lobby, our eyes immediately go to the people that we know and we like and we're friends with. And we strike up conversations with them and our eye doesn't go to the the new person. Or if it does, we kind of see them and look away, right? (laughs) It's like, I don't want to make eye contact. I don't want to make them feel awkward. Well, you made them feel awkward because you didn't acknowledge that they were there. You didn't say, hi, my name is. Refusing to see people refusing to acknowledge that they're present is one of the things that will keep people away. Number two, don't offer a smile. We interact, some of us, with hundreds of people every day, some of us more than that. We tend to remember the people who are pleasant, don't we? Why? Because most people aren't. Most people are busy or focused or whatever, whatever excuse you have. But when you have the, the server at the restaurant or when you have the person checking you out at the grocery store who smiles and is pleasant, like you recognize that because it's rarely that you have that interaction with people. When people come to church, they really are looking for somebody who will smile, who will introduce themselves because that conveys to them. Hey, we, we want you here. We're expecting you here. You could belong here. Now, here's the problem, and we're just talking, right? This next couple of weeks as we get ready, it's just us kids talking, all right? So I just, I'm going to be honest. Some of us think we're smiling when we're not smiling. <laughs> Do you know, people, you know people like this? Like, hey, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm having a great day. It's like you're never, sh- you're never sure because they could be having the greatest day in the world and it would never reach their face. Like they would never convey. Like some of us, we think we're smiling and we're not smiling. I, I-, I think some of us don't know what our face looks like. <laughs> I-, I know we shave it every day and we-, we put makeup on that same face every day, but I think just in general, like as we go about our day, we think our face is doing one thing and it's not. But you know that one of the most welcoming things, one of the most inviting things is to make eye contact with somebody who's pleasant. Not like creepy, goofy grin. I mean, I know know there's an extreme to it, but but just pleasant people. And and so few times in our day-to-day activities do we meet people like that. I know for some of you, you're volunteers, and you serve week in and week out, and you're here an hour, sometimes an hour and a half before anybody shows up. And I know for some of you, like you've worked and you've set up and there was a scheduling change and somebody didn't show up and you're trying to cover that and, and, and the coffee maker didn't turn on and we're way behind on getting... I, <clears throat> that sort of stuff happens all the time and you can be frustrated, uh, uh, flustered and frustrated and harried. Can I just tell you something though? Guests don't care. They don't care. I don't mean they're insensitive. 
I just mean they walk in and they don't know your, your day's backstory. They just know, I wonder if this place is welcoming. That's, that's all they know. You either smiled or didn't smile. You were either welcoming or not welcoming. Whatever happened leading up to the moment they got here, that's all that they're concerned about. And, and I, some of us don't know what our face is doing and maybe we need to practice a little bit, and maybe we need to get some input from other people. Don't offer me a smile. Let, let me pick up the speed a little bit. Number three, neglect offering me help. We, we've covered that. Parent comes in with pulling two kids and another one in a carrier and can't get the door open, and nobody steps over to help with the door or help with the carrier or say, hey, can I help you get to children's check-in? Guests process all of that. They, they see all of that when we just stand back and there's kind of obvious things going on and we don't at least offer it. We don't say, hi, my name's Ken. Can I help you? Can I help you get the kids over here? Check-ins right over there. Anything I can do to help you? Number four, when you abstain from introducing yourself to me. Makes me not want to come back. Um, you ever gone to an event Lots of people, and you didn't know anybody, and nobody seemed interested in meeting you. Or a friend invited, like you knew one other person, but they just texted you and said, I'm running 20 minutes late. Like you're in the middle of all these people, and the one person you thought you were going to know is not going to be here for 20 minutes, and you're just standing there. Isn't that awkward? Don't you want to blend into the wall, go sit in the car until they get there, and then come back in with them so you know somebody? That's what it's like being a guest somewhere. And when nobody says, hi, my name's Ken. I'm glad you're here today. I don't think we've met. When nobody says that, you get the impression, well, I don't belong here. Like they're not interested in welcoming me here. And I know we've had the introvert conversation, right? Like introverts are really proud of being introverts these days. If you missed that conversation, I'll fill you in later. But like introverts are like all pro-introvert right now. Yay, I'm an introvert. Um, and, I, and I get that. I, I totally get that, that this is harder for some people than others. But you know what has never, ever happened in the history of everything? This is What I'm about to tell you has never, ever happened. A person has never visited a church and had no one speak to them, no one smile at them, no one acknowledged them. No one offered to help them. The whole time they were there. And then when they got back to their car, they thought, you know what? Nobody spoke to me, but I bet they're all introverts. <laughs> I'm going to come back next week because I just think they're all introverts. Nobody's ever thought that. You know what they think when they get back to the car? That's not a very friendly church. It's not a very welcoming group of people. Like, guests don't walk in the door doing personality analysis on everybody. You must be an introvert, introvert. And the whole church must be introverts because nobody talked to me. They don't do They just want to know, might somebody here be my friend? Might I fit here? Can, can I feel at home here? Number five. Forget that I'm a person who wants to be known just like you. Forget that, you know what, I've got a backstory too. And maybe I want to share some of that, and maybe I don't, but it'd be nice to know that somebody's interested. Like the Guests aren't looking for a 30-minute conversation. They're, they're not. But if somebody says, hey, my name's Ken. How old are your kids? My kids go to that school too. We play soccer there too. Just that little bit of connection, you know what it conveys? It conveys, hey, 
I might fit here. I, I might be a part of this group. I, I might have some connections. I might know some people here. The guests want that little bit of, yeah, they're, they're interested in me. And not a 30-minute conversation. That's number, number six. Ignore my boundaries is another thing that will keep me from coming back, all right? Um, they don't want to tell their whole life story to you yet. Most people are pretty good at signaling, all right, you've been nice and I've been nice and, and let's move on, right? You kind of have to read people. Uh, I, I, I jumped on introverts just a minute ago. This is where I kind of need to let the extroverts uh, give you a little bit of advice. Like nobody wants your whole life story on Sunday morning when they first meet you if you're an extrovert. Like dial it back, extroverts, okay? People have boundaries. People are okay with a little bit of conversation. Like they don't want to hear what happened to your great aunt Alice two years ago, honestly. Like you don't have to go into all of that. They just want to know that you cared enough to speak. And the last one. <clears throat> And this is a tough one. Forget my name. Immediately, immediately when this one comes up, there's always people who go, I'm just not good with names. I'm just not, I'm just not good with names. And I, and I understand that. Not everybody's the, the, the greatest at that. But here's what I would say. It'll be a little different when we first get in because we'll have like this rush of new people. But typically, individually, we're, we're not going to meet like 10 new people every Sunday. Like you, you may meet one every couple of weeks. What if, what if we just made it a habit of trying to hold on to a name? It really does make a difference when they come back the second week for you to call them by name or call one of their kids by name. Typically, one of the most personal things about somebody is their name and the way they pronounce their name. I know some names aren't easy to pronounce, but... Just making an effort to learn a name or two to try to pronounce it correctly. Versus, and we all do this, right? Hey, you, yeah, good to see you again. Right, we always play it off that way. Exactly. How's it been? Yeah, but, but what difference it might make if that person you had a three-minute conversation with comes back the next week, and you call them by name because you cared enough, because you want them to feel like this is a place they could belong. Now, that's a lot of time on hospitality, right? <laughs> I mean, we spent a lot of time this morning talking about greeting guests and, and hospitality. Here's why. Here's why we're camping out here before we make this move. This move is not just about us trying to do the most we can with a warehouse in between. It, it, it's not just about us scraping together enough money to pull this off, which is crazy. I mean, like, less than two-and-a-half-year-old church should not be making this move, just, I mean, if we're just honest. Like, we're, we, as far as the, the general lifespan of church plants, we should not be moving into those, the place with those pictures. This is a crazy story that's, that's going on. But it's not just about getting walls up and getting paint on the walls. God, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I don't need, claim to know all the reasons, for whatever reason, 
God is trusting us with an incredible opportunity to impact people's lives. For whatever reason, God thinks, like, God thinks that we can handle this. God knows that when we open those doors just because of curiosity, people are going to show up and apparently, God feels like we can be trusted with that. We can be trusted with people's hearts and their spiritual futures. We can be trusted to love and care for and share the gospel with more people. I don't think he would have given this opportunity to us if he didn't trust us with it. And so as we get ready to move, all I'm saying is, let's be ready. I mean, let's take responsibility for the fact that people are going to walk in those doors that have never come and worshipped with us before. Some of whom have given up on church and they're giving church one more shot Some of them know nothing about God, but they just think, I'm going to try this one place. That is what God's giving us. And apparently, it feels like we can handle it. So I want to be ready. I want us to be ready for those hearts and those souls and those little kids who are going to hear about Jesus for the first time and people that are going to get baptized. That's the opportunity God's giving to us. It's not about walls and doors and paint. It's about people. And sometimes it all starts because one person was willing to say, Hi, my name is. Let's pray. God, I, I don't I don't fully know why you trust us with this opportunity but you've put it in front of us. An opportunity where we're going to meet a lot of new people. We could have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And you've trusted us with that. You've put that opportunity to impact the spiritual future of who knows how many people. God, we're not trying to build a big church or a fancy church. or We're not trying to hit some magic number. But we are trying to be spiritually responsible with the lives that you're going to bring our way. So help us. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed.